listening to the Citizens Church podcast. Citizens Church exists to saturate Bryan College Station, Texas with the good news and love of Jesus. To learn more about Citizens Church, visit us online at citizensbcs.com. What's up, citizens? How y'all doing uh, today? Oh, I think you guys kind of missed the part where um, he mentioned Zimbabwe. You know what I'm saying? And I know you guys might not know, but um, he said Dallas, but Zimbabwe is not a suburb of, of, of Dallas. It's about, uh, you know, 500 miles north of that and about 10,000 miles south of that. When you get to Wakanda, you hang a left and uh, that is my kingdom, the lion, you know. I was recording all of that. I was like, from now on, I'm going to send it to my wife. I'm like, baby, this is how I want you to address me. The beautiful man, the lion. Pastor Ben, you're, you're a G, man. I appreciate you so much. But, but, but hey, um, let, let me let you guys in on, uh, I, I can tell that there's not a, a lot of Africans in the room. That, that's okay. You know what I'm saying? But I, I want to tell you guys some things about Africans so that as we embark on this journey, right, you guys are right there with me. The Bible says, can two walk together except they be agreed? Now, if you most of the time we assume that agreement about a specific direction just speaks to destination. For example, I married an Enneagram 7 wife. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm an Enneagram 8, which becomes a 7 because I married a 7. So what happens is if we're like, hey, we're going to Waco, right? Magnolia, I don't know what it is. There's like a giant woman magnet that draws women from all over the world to Waco. Come on. So if my wife's like, hey, let's go to Waco, and I'm like, cool, let's roll to Waco and everything, right? I assume here's how I think. I'm like, we're in Dallas, we're going to Waco, so we're going to jump into a car, drive for two hours, get to Waco and do Waco stuff, right? We've agreed on the destination. But one thing I found out when I married my wife is the simple fact that uh, she's like, yes, we have agreed on a destination, but... She is going to look up every Bucky's stop along the way, every corn maze, every pumpkin, whatever it is, right? We may be agreed on the destination, but there's other things that we got to agree on, like, like pace, right? Like routes, like all those other things. So I wanted to, to tell you guys essentially about the conversation we're going to have so I don't lose you guys along the way. Now, the first thing I want you guys to know about African communication is that Africans love response. Come on, somebody. So this conversation, yeah, you guys get it. This is going to be dialogical. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I'm a hollaback preacher. Come on, somebody. So if you have ever had a black church fantasy and you're like, man, I want to scream things out in the middle of church, this, your boy, I got you, right? Say it, preach it African. Come on, black, however you say it, I am uh, your boy. You know what I'm talking about? And so... um, But the second thing is that whenever we've been graced with the incredible opportunity to communicate the word of God, the goal is always transformation. Everybody say transformation. Transformation. So I'm going to use that a lot to emphasize some points I make. So transformation is always the goal. And there's primarily two ways that you get to transformation. And we see this modeled in Jesus. It says Jesus who went about preaching and teaching. Everybody say preaching and teaching. Now, preaching is transformation through inspiration. So I speak to you, I speak to the heart of who you are, right? And it just makes you want to rise up and do incredible things. Uh, You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like when you watch Braveheart or you watch one of those like rousing speeches at the end of something and you're like, ah, you know, remember the Titans, whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? That's, That's essentially what preaching does, right? Now, teaching 
is, it's still the gold is transformation, but it's transformation through information, right? So I give you information. I give you tools. I give you handles. I give you concepts and ideas so that when the music, the anointed music dies down and you're not within the comfort and the confines of community and life comes you and hits you at the speed of a cyber truck, you know what I'm saying? You can still open your notes and still get those ideas and those concepts and apply them and they will work for you. What your boy is going to attempt to do, and I say attempt because the Holy Spirit has this weird way of always kind of circumventing my specific direction and doing whatever he wants to do. So we'll let him do that because he, he does that and he loves to do that. But, the, but what I'm trying to do is to speak to you guys specifically as a group of pioneers. Right When I stepped in here, I was having this conversation, even with Pastor Ben, and, and, and I, was, I was having this conversation, and I sensed that the Lord is wanting to do something incredibly unique in Brian, right? He's wanting to do something incredibly unique in College Station, because wherever there are campus towns or college campus towns, the enemy somehow sets us as ground zero, because he wants to co-opt the theology of a generation, and by so doing, shift the laws of that generation, and then that is how he essentially takes a nation. So I feel like you guys are a front and center, right? You guys are the beachhead when it comes to this specifically. And my conversation is about the power of pioneering prayer because I believe I'm speaking to pioneers. But I felt something slowly shift, so I don't know where we're going to end. But what I love is that Pastor Ash has got my back, and towards the end of it, we're just going to have a hood nanny, hold down, come on, so we're going to have it all, right? And people are going to be set free and released into their purpose. Now, I love Texas. Come on, somebody. Howdy, y'all. Howdy. Is that how you say it? They're like, that is the most African Texan thing I've ever heard. But listen, though. I love uh, Texas for, 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 for three reasons specifically. Uh, number one, it is a state of brisket. Come on, somebody. Brisket and sweet tea, y'all. Listen, you cannot mess around with brisket, sweet tea, and uh, Dr. Pepper. That's a trifecta. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Uh, that, that, that's, that's number two. Uh, that's number one. But number two, Texas gave me something incredibly unique. This right here is my beautiful Enneagram 7 wife. Come on, somebody. There you go. Hey, listen, I don't have enough game to pull that. You know what I'm talking about? That was an arranged marriage. And uh, no, not the African way. Literally, she arranges everything in our marriage, and I just show up and I do everything that I'm told. I know there's some people there that are like, I feel you, brother. I know what you're talking about. But her name is Pam, and she's just incredible. I love what the Bible says, right? The, 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 the core, when God created uh, women, he called the woman Eve the mother of all life. What I love about that is that when it comes to, to, to women, they have that inherently on the inside of them, right? Whatever you take, a woman will take it, multiply, speak life into it, and give it back to you. you uh, someone said this who was much smarter than me, but you give a woman uh, a grocery, she takes it, speaks life into it, multiplies it, and gives you a meal. Come on, somebody, right? You give her a building, she takes it, speaks life into it, multiplies it, and she gives you a home, right? You give her a seat, she takes it, speaks life into it, multiplies it, and she gives you kids, you know? what I'm saying? You speak, you give a headache, she takes it, speaks life into it, multiplies it, and she will give you hell. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So if whatever you give a woman, whatever you're getting back is essentially because of that. But what I love the most about Pam is that she came into my life and she has just spoken life into everything that the Lord has given, 
including my calling and everything else. Y'all, listen, this woman, someone told me when I came to the U.S. and they said, hey, if you don't have it, marry it. Right. If you don't have style, marry style. So she dresses me. Right. If you don't have good credit, marry good credit. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but if you don't have it, marry it. And she has been that to me. Uh, we don't have any kids yet. We have one on the way in February. So, yeah, thank you. We got a boy. Don't sing when yum. So that's, uh, that's, that, that's going to be a blast. We're enjoying all the nights full of sleep that we can. But, uh, but uh, yeah, another thing that I, um, I, 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 just, I just really, really like about Texas specifically is the simple fact that it's still a state that at the core of what it is still trembles at the words one nation under God. There is still an inherent fear of the Lord. It's an ethos that really gov- governs a lot about this. And he- here's the thing. When there's something beautiful like that, the enemy's uh, modus operandi is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so it really falls on you guys to protect the sanctity of the faith that was passed on from generation to generation and given to you guys. It's uh, unfortunate I go to some states and the conversation is different. It's contending for that which was lost. But you guys still have it. It's still generational, still values and virtues within the culture that you guys are being brought up in. So protect that with everything you have. Is that cool? Awesome. Listen, the final thing, and then I'm going to really jump into this conversation, is, uh, man, I love uh, when God knits people together, right? The Bible says he sets the solitary in families. There's just some people like David and Jonathan that you just meet, and there's this bro thing just kind of happens, you know, like stepbrothers. It's like, ah, we just become best friends. Yes. And honestly, that's how I felt when we, we, we linked arms and purpose with, uh, with Pastor Ben and um, his wife, actually, they're just incredible, man. Y'all's love for this city, y'all's love for, for this generation, y'all's love for the kingdom, right? The rich heritage that you bring into the mix is truly, is truly a statement to why God would entrust you with a generation. So I just wanted to say I honor you guys so much. Um, there's a few places and spaces. Oh, we're going to get to do that in a second. We're going to do that in a second. But there's, there, there's very few places and spaces to where... Just uh, when, when people are like, hey, can you come over here and come over there and everything, that um, I'm very selective because I don't go accept it when I'm sent. But with this, when, when Pastor Ben just reached out, the Lord's like, yeah, those are your people. And during worship, I was like, yo, they're wild. These are my type of people. So if you guys don't mind, could you just help me stand up and honor your pastors for their yes and for everything that they have done and continue to do? Man. Pastor Ben and Ashley, you guys are straight up Jedis. I love you guys so much. The force is strong in you guys. And uh, yeah, what you guys have started is going to grow. Now, here's what I want us to do. I want us to read the Bible real quick. If you guys don't mind standing, uh, stay standing. We're going to do this all day. Let's go. But no, I, seriously, though, I don't do this to be religious or anything. Um, I do this because the Bible says in the beginning, God spoke and there was. And every single time, then he took his words and uh, eternalized them in canon. And every time I've opened the Bible and the Lord has spoken, my life has changed. And so in Texas, we know this is common sense. It's not politics, even though sometimes those two are intertwined. But we know that we stand up for the things that we honor. Come on. 
So here's what we're going to do. We're going to read from Matthew 17, verse 14 to 21. I'm going to read. But when we get to verse 20, there's a place in Texas called Babe's Chicken. And the first time I went there with my African self, it blew my mind because they did something called a, a, a family style with the sides. I was like, ooh, is this heaven? They just keep bringing sides and you get to share them. Listen, Texas is going to cater in heaven. I promise you all that much. So I'm sorry if you're vegan. But when we get to... Um, to verse 20, I would love for us to read it together, loudly, African style. Then I'm going to say a prayer, and then we're going to jump into the conversation. Is that cool? Awesome. All right. Uh, Matthew 17, verse 14 to 20. I'm going to read it in the New King James. It says, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. Thank God for fathers. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O oh, faithless and perverse generation. Come on, that's a diss. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Everybody say unbelief. unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing shall be impossible. Everybody say nothing for you. All right. Verse 21. Ready? One, two, three. Let's go. However, come on, read it with me. However... This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. One more time, let's read it. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you. Could you guys do me a favor? Could you just hold your hands out in front of you um, just as the universal sign of surrender? And I want you guys just to whisper a simple prayer the prayer that took the church from being a moral social club into the force that it is today. A simple prayer that split time in two. A simple prayer that all of heaven responds to. And when we pray it from the bottom of our hearts, it changes everything. I want you guys just to pray this prayer with me. Say, come Holy Spirit. Just say it one more time. Say, come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we just invite you into this place. Without you, it's just another conversation and not an impressive one at that. But when you come, Father, you bring illumination to the word. You take the word and you make it personal in our lives. Where your spirit is revealed, freedom is made manifest. So we just pray and we say, take our theology, Father, and illuminate it, infuse it with God life. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, blessed teacher, come and open the word for us and reveal Jesus between the pages. As we break the bread of his body in fellowship, Father, may there be a revelation of Jesus like you did in Emmaus, the road to Emmaus. So, Father, we bless you and we thank you. Say, Holy Spirit, you are the CEO of this conversation, of this meeting. We pray that right now you'd pull down walls and open hearts, Father, and reach your children in places and spaces that I cannot May the counsel of heaven find perfect expression through these lips of clay. And at the end of it, they're like, I don't know, there was an African guy up there, but I met the Lord. And so, Father, we bless you and we thank you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. High five the person next to you and say, let's roll. And you may be seated. So I believe in the power of community. I believe in the power of people gathered together and the Holy Spirit blowing on those gatherings and uh, history being written in incredible terms. I believe in that. I had the incredible opportunity of being a part of a church. It's, 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 it's a movement. It's a, re- it's a creative, expressive movement called the Upper Room in Dallas, where the associate pastors, for they were just transitioned. Now I'm on the, on, 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 on the teaching team so I can travel and do other things. But what I love the most is the simple fact that when you invite the Holy Spirit into the context, within the context of community, when you build the right community and you invite the Holy Spirit in there, he brings an agenda, which is impossible, but he empowers it. And then finite and mortal beings like us become a part of doing that which was impossible. See, I would even argue as someone who has gone before, if I could time hack and travel back in time, what I would tell the younger naive self that I was back then is the simple fact that you can lean into all the depths of God and that every promise that you find in this book is true. And that if you will believe it and if you will posture your life to lean into the promises of God, and if you will do it with the right type of community, you will live a life of such incredible, miraculous contribution that people will look and be like, are you living in the same life? I mean, if you think about it, right, the very kingdom of God, which is the ethos of the Holy Spirit, is righteousness, peace, and joy. And those are the three things which we had a dearth of in 2020. Joy, right? We have medicated ourselves and told ourselves that being sublime is dignified when there's nothing about our expression and our creation that was meant to be muted. See, every revelation that I have, the revelation that changed my life comes from this simple premise which is based in the book of Genesis. See, here here it is. Where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. If someone does not know the purpose of a thing, they will abuse it with the best of intentions. If I don't know what this iPad is really for, I will use it to chop vegetables on it. Come on, somebody. I just do not know. And as people who are primarily a college demographic, people who are on the cusp of going out and giving your expression to the world, leaving a legacy, making your mark in there, I need you guys to understand that even in the realm of relationships, if you join yourself to someone who does not understand their and ergo your purpose, they will abuse you with the best of intentions. So if we want to understand this thing called the human experience, we need to go back to the manufacturer's intent. What was God thinking? And when we go back to the book of Genesis, we find that uh, there are specific things which are true about God and consequently true of us because we are the creation made in the image of God. 
Genesis 1, 26, it says God goes Dr. Strange in all creation and he creates, he's like, and he creates all these perfect worlds and he's like, oh, this is good and he does this. But then he gets, and he's like, it's still missing something. It's like a master chef. I love watching my wife cook. How many of you guys love watching people who know they're the best at something? You know what I'm talking about? There's this exaggerated thing about him. It's like, I am the best. And so everything, I love watching my wife cook because she will do all these things and she'll make this incredible dish and everything. She'll like taste this and I'm like, my taste buds are blown. Cinco de Mayo in my mouth. Come on, let's do this. She'll be like, no, it's missing something. And then she'll be like, oh, I know what it is. As if that wasn't in the recipe book. Like she will act like it's just coming up and then she will take something and she'll be like, she'll spring. She'll be like, oh, now try it. You know what I'm saying? But, but, but I feel like that's what happened in creation, right? When God creates this perfect ecosystem, he feels like there was something missing. And so what does God do? He takes the essence of who he is and he crafts a being, an eternal being, right? The nefesh. It says man became, but here's what he does. He doesn't just make us this ethereal, ephemeral thing floating around. No, he takes the spirit because what we are is in essence a tripartite, three-part being, spirit, soul, and body, right? You guys are still with me? So he takes this thing, right? And then he's like, I'm going to put it in a body. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to make this body a being of inputs. Think about it. Your five senses, right? The things that you use to have to interface with the world outside of you. What are they? Are they inputs or outputs? What are they? Taste, touch, smell. What are they? Inputs, right? Can you imagine the, the brilliance and the goodness of a God who creates you and then takes that part which is eternal and places it in a being of inputs and then takes you and puts you in a garden? A perfect and solid garden, right? An assault on the senses, the smell, sanctified sounds from animals and, and dinosaurs and whatever else is in there. And he's just like, hey, I'm making this being to enjoy myself. And the Bible says, he says, he comes together. The greatest uncreated minds come together and they're like, in the combined brilliance of the Godhead, we are going to create a being, and this is what it says, in our image and according to our likeness. So what that essentially says, God is the cause and we're the effect. And we all know that the effect will always mirror the cause. So what is fundamentally true about who God is also applies to who humanity is. And that's what theologians call the Imago Dei, like when you kind of come into this. Can we talk about the love and the brilliance and the goodness of this God, right? Theologians, St. Gregory of Nazianzus, who really was a father, like a church father on the front lines of pneumatology or the study of the Holy Spirit, but basically how he um, defined this dynamic between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is he says, man, when you, when you look at it from the outside, it's called the perichoresis, right? Peri, which is like around, and choreo, which means to go and come, or where we get the word choreography. So he says, when you look at this, it's almost like they're locked in an eternal dance of honor, of love, of deference, of Father, Son, and Holy spirit and they're dancing and then into that love and acceptance he creates us and engrafts us into that see we have a son coming this boy cannot exist outside of the confines of my wife and i's love for each other our love and our union is his cradling context 
Do you understand that God was fully and eternally in communion with himself and existing not in love with himself, but as the very essence of love? And then he creates you and invites you into this dynamic. And everything about the enemy does is going to be to mitigate the image of God in you. When you look at a mirror, to see nothing which resembles this so that you yourself can opt out of this love. Because he cannot draw it out of you because remember it's your creating context. So you, like everything which is love, can actually disqualify yourself from feeling that love. I'm here to African drop kick the lies of the enemy off of your life so that when you step outside of here, do you understand that there's nothing muted about the expression of God except if you read it through the wrong lens? See, for over a decade, I was, I was hooked on the most debilitating forms of pornography conceivable. Because see, here's the thing, right? right? Pornography starts with this false promise of, of intimacy, right? But then, because remember, it's a bait and switch. The moment you engage and you indulge and you get that first um, dopamine rush, then what happens is in order for you to match that, then it becomes more and more debilitating because it's, it, 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 its prime objective is to get you to be so ashamed with the beauty of who you are that you distance yourself from that particular dynamic. But oh my goodness. And the thing about it is a shame, right, is always the enemy's greatest weapon. That's why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because shame will preempt you from sharing your faith. Shame is his most effective weapon because shame is something that when we feel shame, we cannot distance our shame from our identity. Therefore, we never look at it from the perspective of this is what I am ashamed of. It's always this is why I am in shame. And what was supposed to be love, the craving context of who we are, then we trade that for shame and we exist in that place and in that space. But do you understand when you read the Bible through a lens of shame, all you see is an angry, vengeful, uh, super insecure, easily triggered God who is completely out of touch with the emotions and the, and, 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 uh, with the emotions of his beings. Oh, but then listen, man. The Spirit of God came in a meeting much like this. There was a lot of people. It wasn't announced to me. I was just coming. I had done it a hundred thousand times, but I showed up. And oh my goodness, the Spirit of God showed up and it set your boy free. And from there, I still remember I'm over there. And I'm just like, I had so accepted this lie that I told myself that I'm a chill person. That I'm not wild and I'm not this and I'm not this and I'm not this. And you know it's the enemy writing a false narrative because it's never I am this. It's always I am not this. Right? Because the moment you start speaking into the identity of who you are. That's why in the Old Testament everything is thou shalt not, you shall not, you shall not. But in the New Testament you are. You are the righteousness 
of God. You are accepted in the beloved. So from that lens of a freed perspective, oh my goodness, I started reading this book and then I saw words leap out at me that have never had. I saw that there was nothing muted about this expression that when he talks about Jesus, it says that, oh man, he was anointed with the oil of gladness above his command. Do you understand that before the days of social media, if you didn't know that Jesus looked like a middle-aged white hippie and there was a group of people over there and you showed up and you were like, which one was Jesus? According to scripture, Jesus would have been the guy laughing the loudest, being the most joyful. That's almost sacrilegious for us to think. It offends our conditioned sensibilities. But when we read about this, Peter says, joy unspeakable and full of glory. When John talks about it, everything about this talks to an expressive existence full of freedom and love and excitement. And we have accepted a letter. If you want to understand, there is nothing tamed and muted about nature because nature is a mirror to the very nature of who God is. How many of you guys have ever been to the ocean? Abundance, noise. Come on, beauty, creativity, expression. Have you guys ever read the book of Revelation? Y'all, that is not a dignified place. The throne room is wild, y'all. It's like there's this giant jukebox with thunder and everything, and people are singing, and it's like, it's wild. But when you look at nature, it mirrors everything about who God is. If you're sitting here in this place, man, Pastor Ben, I wasn't even going to go over there. I promised I was going to go to the notes and everything. I was going to go through them. But, I, but, 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 but man, thank you so much for that freedom, brother. But I really feel like there's some people in this place that are sitting in bondage to a lie. And if you go through your college years, here's the thing with a lie, right? Uh, we, 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 in, in the Zulu language, um, we call this ugutunga umgod. But basically what that means is when you take a lie and you plant it in the mind of someone, that lie will always seek agreement. Always seek agreement. Right, it's a you know this like your reticular activating system. For example, if I'm like, how many of you guys, how many red cars did you see today? Right, except if you're like a freak of nature, you're like 76. Nobody likes you if you're that guy, right? <laughs> but the rest of us, we don't know. But if I'm like, hey, if you tell me how many red cars you saw today, when you come back tomorrow, I'll give you something cool, whatever it is. Then how many of you guys know that you will even see pink cars as red? You'll be like, technically, when you look at the spectrum. Why? Because I've preempted you to look for something. The lie does the exact same thing. When I whisper a lie into you, that lie is going to go around seeking agreement. And it's going to seek reinforcement. And if you take off, it's kind of like when you go to DFW, that's my airport. When I go there, every plane leaves from the exact same place. And is this sun? tweaks in trajectory that makes the difference between landing in China or landing in Waco. So I don't know why I feel like, but I feel like the Spirit wants to right some wrongs today as you take off on the assignment that He has so that you end exactly where you are supposed to be and not anywhere else. Do you understand that God created you for Himself, for enjoyment, he didn't create this weird pseudo fiefdom to where he was like, you know what? I need some slaves, so I'm going to make me some and everything. No, he created you in his image and according to his likeness for himself. 
The chief end of man is to enjoy God and to bring him glory forever. It's to exist in a place and a space. That's why he filled you with his spirit, the spirit of all creativity. And then he steps back. I feel like that's what happens in Hebrews 12. It says there's this great cloud of witnesses. I think they are watching because all of Hebrews 11 talks about, do you understand that there is nothing insignificant about ordinary people in Hebrews 11 who just dared to believe that they existed for a purpose and that God loved them and they leaned into what that looked like and they worked exploits. That's all of Hebrews 11. Then after that, it says, hey, they died not having obtained because God had something better for us. And now it says we have this great cloud of witnesses. I genuinely, you can check my theology on this, but I genuinely think the reason that they're staring over the balconies of heaven looking down is because they're going, they understand, right, that in this context, the Shekinah of God, the weighty glory of God was so dangerous that Uzzah touched the ark and he died. That when mountains, when, when, when animals would go near the mountain, they would be stoned. They knew the terrifying aspect of what God was. They knew the severity of the ark of the covenant. That was the reality that they lived in. And then Jesus comes and tears the curtain of history in two. Then he says, hey, it's better for me to go because if I go, then the comforter will not come. The counselor will not come. So he goes and he gives us his spirit without measure. And I truly believe that they are watching in awe because they're going, you're telling me that that which was in the ark, that which made a mountain so sacred that people were stoned, that which made Moses' face glow, that now dwells inside Jack. Inside Karen, inside Kolani, inside whatever it is, that lives on the inside. What are they going to do with it? Yo, I I feel like when we get to the cafeteria of heaven, we're going to be like, "Uh, David, I don't want to sit next to you because David's going to be like, what did you do? Well, I kind of say some really cool tweets and everything is like, no. They're like, you have the spirit of God dwelling on the inside of you without mitigation, without measure. What songs will they write? What books will they write? What businesses will we create? What technology? We are in sync with the most creative. Listen, this isn't one of those two ways like, oh, it's motivational or whatever. This is, listen, it's in red in here. That means it's no cap. Listen, either we believe, listen to me, either we believe this thing or we don't. I don't believe all of it because here's the thing. Integrity, you guys understand this. Integrity hinges on one thing. If someone is trustworthy, and they do one thing, you have every right to bring down. That corrodes the trust so much to where you're like, we will have to rebuild this. So either all of it is true, and this God never lies, or none of it is. And we got to stop reading this like reading Aesop's fables. And we got to stop reading this like uh, we're reading philosophy books or whatever. This, we got to come to this and say whatever this says is true. See, that's why I place such a premium on good theology. Because if you understand that this word is living and it's true, and it has the ability to tweak my perspective and craft realities around me, when you fundamentally understand that, then you know that it is imperative that you interpret this thing rightly. Oh, man. Sin...
the number one, think about it, right? The word sin means harmatia. And harmatia like literally means, um, I think the, the most famous explanation and which is an aspect of it, it literally means to miss the mark, right? It means, to, it, it means to miss the mark, the teleos. So basically, remember what the mark was. We were created to be in relationship with God. And every expression of sin seeks to mitigate what that looks like. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. If it comes from me, I don't care how handsome it looks. I don't care how many six-packs it has. I don't care how it's stunting out there. If this does not come from the Lord, it's going to steal from you. It's going to kill you, and it's going to destroy everything that the Lord wanted to build through you. And it would be fine if it was just up to me, but do you guys understand that history is like this giant MLM multi-level marketing thing to where my actions affect the actions of concurrent and future generations? Every single one of you is standing right here because uh, Pastor Ben and Ashley said yes to a call at great personal cost because the call will always cost you everything. And through their faithfulness, you guys have been brought in here. And through our friendship, he's brought us in here. So every single, their obedience and my obedience and your combined obedience is going to be the foundation that future generations stand on. That's why we have to defend the integrity of this gospel and this message with everything that we have. The Old Testament tells the story of this man called Naboth that a king came and offered to buy a vineyard from him. And his answer convicts me to this very day. The king said, hey, I will give you whatever it's worth. I will even give you a better one, whatever you need. Here's a blank check, carte blanche, just write whatever you need. And his answer was, far be it from me to give over the inheritance of my father's. The reason you understand the faith right now is that through persecution, some people stayed true to this message. And they made sure that it wasn't diluted or mitigated and they gave it to you. Countless lives were lost so that you guys could have a worthy gospel. How dare we be the generation that decides to overhaul the gospel and pull things out and say and this and then give out a socially acceptable gospel. The very nature of truth in itself is alienating. The very nature of being right mandates that someone be wrong. How is it that people could not get along with the holiest man that lived, but get along with you? The only thing the Bible promises us is that there is going to be persecution and you exist in an age where it is polite to persecute those who have ideals and values that differ from yours. Do you understand that you cannot sit this one out. You are the generation that has to stand up on specific non-negotiables and say this is the truth of the faith. I know. Remember, God is the cause where the effect. So God has always existed in a state of community. Right? Always. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit never existed outside of it. Then he creates us. And we're beings that cannot exist outside of community. I don't care how introverted that you think you, you were. 2020 was not funny. Come on, somebody. Right? It's almost like the world understands that. I mean, think about it right, right now. It's like if you're out there and you're normal and you start acting all weird and gangster, what they do, they take you out of normal population and they put you in a concentrated and lesser population called jail, right? 
And if you're in there, they take you and you're still acting out. They take you to a smaller concentration called prison. You know what I'm saying? And if you're a straight gangster up in there, then they take you out of there and they put you in something called isolation. They take you out of gen pop because it's almost like even the world itself knows that isolation is the greatest punishment you can give a human being. Do you understand that the Roman Empire, the most creatively evil empire I think to exist, these guys used to feed people to lions for their entertainment. I still remember when I was back in Zimbabwe, I used to watch there's something called like uh, wrestling right here, like Macho Man and Hulk Hogan. And I still remember the first time I was like, wait a second, why is it that guys without pants are fighting for a belt? But anyways, that was, that's besides the point. But I still remember when I was, that was, their wrestling was feeding people to lie. And they were so creatively evil. But the worst way that they used to punish offenders, the worst offenders was they would take them and maroon them on islands because they understood that isolation is the worst punishment that you can have. And so there's something in us that inherently fears being ostracized because our originating and creating context was acceptance and community. So I understand that you have a mortal fear of being canceled for standing up for your faith. But let me tell you this, you can't cancel what God is endorsing. Empires could not cancel people. John the Baptist didn't even have a social media following. Whatever. He just stood on a rock and just shouted at people, come and get a life, dude, you know what I'm saying? But up till today, he was immortalized in this. If God has given you an assignment, it is going to be unpopular for you to do that. That's why you are going to need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And I feel like that's where we're going to land today. We're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and he will and to empower us for the work that he has ahead of us. And Pastor Ben, I didn't touch none of these, man, but it's okay. But listen, but I sincerely believe before we even get to a place, because when we get something as beautiful, as freeing as the Holy Spirit, without having had a shift in our cognition, we're going to suffer from the worst cases of imposter syndrome and we will self-sabotage because we will think that we're unworthy of the gift of his spirit. So before we even get into that part and into that aspect, I really feel like there's just some people in this place. Uh, Pastor Ash, if you don't mind, can we just get um, someone just kind of playing in the background? And uh, we're just going to do some, um, a little bit of hard work in, in, in this place. I really feel like God is positioning people to go out there. All he's ever needed is one, one Billy Graham, right? One Moses, one Paul. Oh, but when he gets 12, come on, somebody empires trembling and say the people are turning the world upside down have come here also can you imagine what would happen not if he got a hold of a room of people like us but if we got a hold of him in this room the shockwaves that would echo across generations so the thing about being younger is a simple fact that you think time is expendable and you think you have copious amounts of it and you think that you'll always be immortal but the truth of the matter is the people that took their youth and their vitality and their power and they sowed it into the kingdom of God. I've never met a single one that's regretted it. There's something on the inside of us that cries out for eternal expression. 
We yearn to leave a legacy because we are at heart eternal beings. And I'll tell you what's not it. Compromise is not it. Nobody ever changed the world or left an eternal mark through compromise. Addiction, isn't it? That thing is so foreign from you. So foreign. Anxiety. Depression. All of the enemy's weapons of mass destruction aimed at their very identity as a child of God made in the image of the God of all creation. An infinite source of joy for the generation around you. Proxies of the kingdom of heaven wherever you go. See, I don't think Jesus is watching Fox News or CNN being worried about the Russians or the Muslims or whatever. No. You were his plan in poker. You save your best hand for last. So he took whenever he knew right from eternity, this generation cried out to God. And God always answers the cry of a generation by taking the answer, wrapping it in skin, giving it a name, a context, an ethnicity. The reason it's imperative for you to get this right is because future and the current generation hang on it. And for me, and I know for other people in this room, it was my identity. The enemy will always do this. It's one of his biggest things, right? He will whisper, just try it, dude, just once. Just do it. Just do it. Just try it. It's not a big deal. Just, just. And the moment you try that thing, whatever that thing is, he gets up on his soapbox and he screams from a megaphone and he says, that is who you are. That thing is your identity. And I feel like the spirit of the Lord and through the blood of Jesus is in this place right now to break those false identities of the hearts and the minds of people. The blessing and the anointing is on who you were created to be. Not who sin has made you. And I understand there's two groups of people. There are people who willfully sin and they're like, I hear what you're saying, but dude, this is, I, I, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I can't shake free. I love this. That was me for 10 years. And because I was in a church, in a ministry family, that means I was in church gatherings every Sunday. Do you know how many Sundays and Wednesdays there are in 10 years? I would still show up to this place and I'd all but given hope, given up hope. But one day the Lord broke in with his freedom. And the reason I'm standing here as a trophy of grace is simply because he was like, hey, those, those who have been forgiven much, love much. So there's people in this room right now that God, through the blood of his son, wants to restore you, wants to reset you and reboot you to the place of your truest identity so that from there you'd go out and express sonship. Because the Bible in Romans 8 says creation is groaning because it's waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. When you manifest freedom, it draws people into the galaxy and the gravity of your sonship. 
I remember there was a guy called Frank, and Frank was telling this story about how he had his two kids, a boy and, 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 and a girl. And if you don't mind, could we just stand up for, uh, for a second? And, and, and Frank, Frank Friedman is telling this story of how they're in the pool, and um, his son's like, hey, dad, hey, dad, hey, dad, if I, run, if, if I run and jump, will you catch me? He's like, of course, buddy. So his son just runs in there and then just leaps into their arms and everything, and Frank catches him, and then dunks him in the water, and he's like, wow, that was awesome. Then Frank's like to his daughter, he's like, come on, come on, sweetheart. And she's like, no. And then your son's like, well, if she doesn't want to go, can I go again? And he's like, yeah, of course. He's like, okay, can I, can I step a little further? And he comes from a little further, and he comes running. And this time he, drives, he tries to do a flip, and then Frank catches him. They fall into the water, and they're laughing and they're having fun. He's like, baby, come on. He's talking to his daughter. She's like, no. And then his son's like, I'm going to go again. And he says, he keeps doing this, and they keep having so much fun that after a while, the daughter doesn't trust that Frank will catch her. But she's so drawn to the freedom and the enjoyment and the love and the life and this dynamic that is happening between Frank and the son that she steps to the edge and she's like, Daddy, are you sure that if I jump, you're going to catch me? He's like, of course. She doesn't even jump. She like barely just steps off and he catches her. She's like, oh my gosh, you caught me. Can I do it again? And she does it. What drew her into that place? It was the glorious liberty of this sonship and your generation has been looking at this closet of eternity and waiting for you to manifest your true sonship and every time the door opens something else manifests which is such a far cry from the freedom and the life and the joy and the peace and the righteousness and the patience and the goodness and the kindness that this bible says is a fruit of your union with the spirit so now we have a skeptical generation that will never darken the doors of a church and they will never read this book. And when they do, it's to find barbs to drive straight into your argument. But how we win them is when we say, look at this. Look at our lives. And I feel like there's someone in this room right now who understands this. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to take you back to your father. And there's two groups of people here. I want to differentiate them. I'll just communicate. The first group is people that you're lost. You just don't know this Jesus. You came here for the babes and the hangs or whatever it is. We don't judge you. It is what it is, right? But I like what um, a secular prophet called Snoop Dogg says. He says, hey, it ain't fun if my homies ain't got none. You know what I'm saying? We're not going to leave you behind because this was meant to happen communally. So if you're in this space right now and you do not know the Lord or you've walked away from the Lord, there is no magic prayer. What's happening inside you is more powerful than anything I can say from up here. So just close your eyes and just talk to your father. Yeah, but reward, what you want me to say, it doesn't matter. The prodigal son when confronted with the reality of the goodness of the prodigal father says while he was yet rehearsing what he was going to say the father ran and met him and that's what the father listen the world calls you lost look at that terminology you would not be lost if you didn't belong people don't go to the lost and found to shop you go to the lost and found to reclaim that which was yours i like what a theologian says he says god found you in christ before he lost you in adam you're lost because you have a home. Yeah. 
you belong and it's time for you to go there. And the second group of people, I just feel like there's a call to holiness. A call to separation, that's what holiness is. So many times we're fascinated with what we're separated from, but right now, I want to shift your perspective to that which you're being separated onto. A life of joy, a life of peace, a life of transformation, a life of contribution. But there's things that you need to lay down and you've tried to lay them down before and I know you feel powerless. But the difference is that the spirit of God is here and he's, uh, he's going to break chains. He's going to let those things go. So I just wanted you to take some time right now to just speak to your father and say, Father, I just give you everything back. And whatever that looks like, whatever the Holy Spirit is moving you to do, it could be if you're getting on your knees, it could be sitting back down, it could be holding out your hands in front of you. But every single person in this room right now, we're going to do some family time. Pastor Ash, if you don't mind, could you come and, I don't know, do something, maybe even softly at first, but about that first song about just the blood of Jesus, something about the blood of Jesus, something about the power of Jesus. Let's have the reality of the blood of Jesus that is able to completely cleanse us from any mistake that we've made, past, present, and future. Oh, I I feel this. I feel this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There's someone in this room that you didn't choose this, this guilt, this shame, this hatred. I feel like there's someone in here, your innocence and your right to pursue God in purity was taken from you unjustly. You're not this way by choice. It was unfairly taken away from you. And somebody that you loved and trusted violated that and now you have trust issues And it's no fault of your own. It's because that was taken from you. But that's what the thief does. If he can't take it fairly, he's going to take it by hook and by crook. But I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, He is here to bring restoration. He's here to right wrongs. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hey, if that's you, here's what I'd, um, I'd invite you to do. Actually, as a matter of fact, not even just those people, but if you just feel like I got to get everything right with the Lord, you know there's a sense of purpose and destiny of your life. Would you mind coming up here with me and just kind of getting on your knees before your father? And would you mind just joining me up front here? And we're just, we're just going to leave everything on the altar. And I know it's undignified and I know there's, there's fear and I know there's reservations, but you could be cool or you could be free. You know what the other path leads to. You know what's behind there. You've been down that road. You know what's waiting for you in that room, in your text messages, in your inbox. You know everything that's happening, that, that's waiting for you on the other end. But I'm telling you that in this place, there is freedom right now. The Holy Spirit wants to take your feeble yes and use it for the glory of God. He delights to take broken crayons like us and draw beautiful pictures. He delights in taking crooked sticks and drawing straight lines. If you are in this 
this place, there is hope and redemption. And you just take the first step like the prodigal. And I promise you the Spirit of God is going to meet you in that place. We're going to take a second right now as you pray. I'd, I'd, I'd invite Pastor Ben and the leaders to even just walk and just begin to lay hands on you guys and just pray over you. But nobody that has come forward right now for a moment of freedom will walk out of this place in shame. Your shame stops now. Your shame stops now. I break that off of you in the name of Jesus. I declare that you were made to live an expressive life. That right now the power and the blood and the spirit and the fire of God is cleansing you. And it's restoring purity in this place. And it's restoring passion in this place. It's bringing perspective in this place. Oh, I see the Lord just cleansing eyes and carrying hearts and vision. Come on, somebody. Oh, come on. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Lord. Come Jesus. Come Lord. Oh Father, every single one of them have a calling and a destiny that the enemy has preempted. But we declare that his reign and his rule and his authority over their lives is broken in the name of Jesus. They step out of this room in absolute freedom. Come Holy Spirit. Come, Spirit of Freedom. Come and break every chain, oh God. Come and pull down every stronghold. I just see the Lord breaking down strongholds and high things that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. You have built a framework, an erroneous framework, to bring sanity to who you are. But I see the Lord just replacing that with love. Thanks for joining us today for the message. We hope it was encouraging to you. To learn more about Citizens Church, including gathering times and locations, or to give financial support, please visit citizensbcs.com. And again, thanks for listening to the Citizens Church Podcast.